This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the reason why verse 1 reads, He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. That all-important but in Naaman's life was to stop him from building his life around himself, his reputation, his career, and to bring Naaman to where God wanted him, which is a conclusion he came to in verse 15 when he finally says, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. I have a friend right now who doesn't know the Lord, and he has a giant but in his life, and he only sees the but as a great obstacle in his life. I intend to help him to come to the same conclusion. So verse one introduced for us Naaman, and the great introduction with Naaman is this word but. That's what defines his life here, that he was a leper. Now verse two, we have introduced a fabulous different person, a fabulous person, and it says there, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Her name is, we don't know her name. That's just the point. We don't know her name. Her name is a little maid. That's her name. That's how she's called. We can't say enough about this little maid. There should be a monument built to her. We should have a statue of her, the little maid. She was not killed by the Syrians when they battled with the Israelites. The Syrians saw her. Oh, she's valuable. So they took her and spared her life, and she now finds herself as a captive slave. She's a spoil of war. That's a pretty sad future for a young Jewish girl. But that's not how she saw herself. She trusted and she hoped in God. And God, she saw, God has put me in a strategic position here. I'm the servant to Naaman's wife. So what we see in this little maid is that she was not discouraged with her place in life. She didn't live under the cloud of, why me? Why did I have to be captured as a slave? 
Why does my life have to be as a servant forever to a Syrian? She didn't let the circumstances of life discourage her in life. And now we see how this little maid spoke to Naaman's wife in verse three. She said unto her mistress, would to God, she said unto her mistress, would, would God, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now you read that and you say, what? What did she have the boldest, what did she have the chutzpah to say? She's got a lot of nerve here. What, who, who, is, who is this person saying this? Naaman's wife, to Naaman's wife, she says, would God, my Lord, or with a prophet that's in Samaria? What has she, she got the nerve to say? That the most powerful Syrian captain who has decimated the Jewish armies, the Jewish people, that he should go to a Jewish prophet in Samaria. Just imagine what she's wishing for, for the captain of Samaria to go to one of his conquered people, not even in the capital of Jerusalem, but in Samaria. I mean, you know, some, you, you, you know, she could have very well have heard, keep, keep quiet, child. When this little maid said that, would to God, that was a prayer. That was a prayer on her behalf. It showed that she was a mighty woman of prayer. And her prayer to God was, my Lord, we're with the prophet in Samaria. Now, there's only one reason why anybody, why she had this boldness to, to, to say these things. There was only one reason why she prayed this, and it's the same reason that Paul had when he preached to the Jewish people about the Lord Jesus Christ, when he prayed for the, for, for the Jewish people, and the reason he gave is in Romans 9, Romans 9, 1, where Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and a continual sorrow I mean, just think about this, great heaviness, continual, unending sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. And then he said in Romans 10.1, Romans 10.1, he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It was be, why did Paul do this? Why did he have this feeling that he said, I will go to hell if it means that they can go to heaven. I'll do it. I'll exchange places. And he says, I'm not lying. And the Holy Ghost is my witness here. Why would he say such a thing like that? Because Paul cared for the Jewish people. That's the reason he prayed like that. That's the reason why he, he had that wish that his somehow, if it would be possible, he would do it. It was because he cared for the Jewish people. That's the reason why he preached the gospel to them. That's the reason why he wrote. Romans 1.16, and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So what we're seeing here is that if we feel that we need to speak more to the lost about the Lord Jesus Christ, if we feel that we're not praying enough for the lost to be saved, you know what our prayer should be? Lord, help me to feel more care for them. Help me to care more for the lost because this little maid cared. She cared for Naaman. She didn't take the position of, well, after what the Syrians did and after what Naaman did to my people, serves them right. No, that wasn't her mentality at all. 
She loved the family that she served. She prayed for them. She spoke to them about the power of God, about the fame of God, the glory of the only true God, the God of Israel. But what does it mean? It means that this maid saw her bondage. She was a slave in Syria. She said, that's an opportunity. That's a wonderful opportunity. She's just like the disciples who had their houses decimated. They ran for their lives. Everything was just robbed away from them by the Romans, and they had to leave. And what did they do in the great diaspora? Acts 8.4, Acts 8.4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word, just like them. So when the unexpected happens to us and we find ourselves in a place like, we didn't plan on being here, that's the time to follow this little maid and speak about the power and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. This little maid, she didn't plan on being a captive in Syria. She planned on living her life among her Israelite people, but, but God had other plans for her. So she took her situation from the Lord. She obeyed what God told the Jewish people to do when they go into captivity. God said, you're gonna go into captivity, he told the Jewish people, and now here's your instructions for what you do when you end up in these places like Syria and Damascus and in Babylon. And the instructions were, in Jeremiah 29.7, Jeremiah 29.7, he said to them, seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you, to be caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. That's our calling too. That's our calling. It says in 1 Timothy 2.1, 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in our authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the, in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So when we see this little maid here speak about God, it shows us something, why it's so important to do what we're doing tonight when we send the kids out. It's so important for children to be taught about the wonderful works of God. Look what she did. That's why Sunday school for, for children is so important, is so that they can speak about God wherever they go. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam to shine for him each day. In every way, try to please him at home, at school, at play. This little maid was so used of God that she defied and the devil, she defied the adversary, as it says in Psalm 8-2, Psalm 8-2. She was just one of the mouths. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. So what happened? This little maid, she sees the leprosy of her Syrian master. She feels the pain. She feels the pain of it all, and she wants him to be healed so she not only sees the problem, she sees how he could be healed. She saw that God could heal her Syrian master. You know, there's a very interesting verse about this passage that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in the book of Luke. It's very interesting because it says in Luke 4.27, Luke 4.27, it talks about lepers around, name it at that time. It says, Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So the number, there were many lepers, there were many lepers, 
in Israel. But the number of lepers that were cured, that were healed by God in Israel was zero, none. She never saw a leper healed by God in Israel. She never saw it. She saw many lepers, but she never saw God heal a leper. Yet she was convinced that God would heal the leprosy of her Syrian master. And she made a promise about that. She made a promise for something that had never been done before. She'd never seen it. When she said in verse three, would God my Lord were with a prophet that's in Samaria. She said, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She didn't say he might recover him of his leprosy. She didn't say he was able to recover him of his leprosy. She made a promise. She said he would recover him of his leprosy. That was a big risk for her. She took a big risk when she made that promise that if her Syrian master went to Israel to the prophet Elijah, that he would recover him of his leprosy. Did she think about what might happen to her if Naaman did, Naaman did go to Elisha and God didn't heal him of his leprosy? No, she didn't think of that because she knew that God was good. She knew that God wanted to heal Naaman and, 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 and as long as Haman, Naaman came in the right way, which is the DRS way, as a dirty, rotten sinner. That that's the ones that get healed. This, this maid was little, but she was, might, she was great in faith. And think of the role that she played in this history. If she had not spoken up, if she had not had this tremendous faith in God and made this unequivocal promise that God was gonna heal Naaman's leprosy, Naaman would never have become a believer in Jehovah Jesus as the only God in all the earth. This is the reason why this, this little maid, who we don't even know her name, but she's so important, she takes her place next to the great women of the Bible. She's right alongside Rahab, Deborah, Ruth, Esther, all women who risk their lives to, to, to take their stand by faith for God. And you know what? God answered her prayer. That's the incredible thing. God did answer this little maid's prayer because Naaman was healed when he went to Elisha the prophet. She played a very critical role in this history. Now, it appears that Naaman went to the king of Syria first to get permission to go down to Israel to seek this prophet that could heal him from his leprosy. And the king gave Naaman permission to go and sent a letter with him to the king of Israel and a gift, as we see in verse 5. And then it says, go to, and I'll send a letter with the, uh, unto the king of Israel, and he departed. Now, what we see there when it says, and he departed, is very important, because Naaman now is acting on what the little, little maid said. He didn't, say, he didn't say, that little girl talks like a fool. How can any prophet in Israel do more for me than, than, than all the doctors in Syria have been, not been able to do? And if a person really wants to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's got to be willing to humble himself, just like Naaman was willing to humble himself. Well, Naaman had set of fluctuations up and down, but okay, let's look at this part. Naaman here, he was willing to humble himself and to follow the direction of a little maid. Naaman did not disguise himself. He let it be known that he was, that everybody knew he was a leper. He let it be known that he was going to the prophet in Israel to heal him of his leprosy. If any person wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got to be open about it. He's got to be willing to be open about it and not hide, just like Naaman was open about going to Israel to the prophet to be healed. So 
Naaman sets out on his journey. He sets out. Those are very important words in verse 5. And he departed. And he departed. If a person really wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, then he's got to, he's got to reach for him with all of his heart and with all of his soul. God does not respond to half-heartedness. God responds to wholeheartedness, as he said in Deuteronomy 4.29. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, If thou from hence, if, but if from hence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if, and there's the qualifier, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, he gets there to Israel, Naaman does, and he has the response of the king, the king of Israel. In verse 11, it came to pass the king of Israel read the letter, he says, he tears his clothes. He says, am I God that I can kill, make alive, that I can recover some from his leprosy? What a contrast between this little maid and her great faith who said, God, yes, you'll recover from your leprosy. And the king of Israel says, impossible. No, I can't do it. This little maid, she was full of faith in verse three when she said that he would recover him of his leprosy. But the king of Israel, he doesn't have that kind of faith at all. The king needed to follow the leading of the little maid. You know, like it says in Isaiah eleven six, Isaiah eleven six, a little child shall lead him. We need to have the little maid over here take the hand of the king over here and lead him by faith. The king's problem was he was not little like the girl. The king's problem was he was too old for faith. No one should ever be too old for faith. Because if you're too old for faith, then the Lord Jesus Christ says, the door to heaven is blocked to you. You can't come in. That's what he said in Matthew 18.3. Matthew 18.3. He said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Naaman sees, Naaman, here's Naaman. He sees the unbelief of the king of Israel. And that must have really surprised him. He must have thought to himself, how could the king I just had a little maid from Israel here, but how could the king, how could the king have such a, a powerful God and not believe? You know, Naaman must have felt just like the wise men when they came to see the Lord Jesus Christ when he was born king of the Jews, and the wise men came to Jerusalem and they came to King Herod and they said, "Surely everybody will know where is he that's born king of the Jews." They just figured everybody would be just, they'll just get in line. They're all just, must, the whole, everybody must be going down there to see his birth and worship him. And they found that wasn't the case at all. But they, that must have been very surprising for them. They must have thought, I don't get it. They're not going. But what was interesting about the wise men, it didn't discourage them from pressing on to find for themselves the Lord who had been born king of the Jews. And Naaman, he was, must have been very surprised to have found the king in such an, a state of unbelief that there was, a, there was a prophet in his own country that could heal leprosy. You know, many Christians today are surprised when they see the unbelief of the Jewish people and the rejection of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. So Naaman now, he goes on, he comes to Elisha's house. And that's verse 9, 10. Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door. So he's at the door of the house of Elisha. And what happens, verse 10? Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Thy flesh shall come again to thee. Thou shalt be clean. 
So here comes this great entourage in verse 9. There's horses. There's a chariot. We can imagine how Naaman's all dressed out. He's probably got so many medals on there. And, and they're all standing there and all the regalia and so forth in front of Elisha's door. And what does Elisha do? He hides in the house. <laughs> he doesn't even come to the door. He doesn't even pull the drapes back. Say, let me see him. He doesn't. He's hiding him back there. So he's being there, and he sends a messenger out with instructions to name it. And they says, "Just go to the go to the the Jordan River and wash seven times, and you'll be recovered of your leprosy." Very simple instruction for how he was to be healed from his leprosy. No formality from Elisha. Not even like I said, going to the door. Just send a message by the messenger. Just wash seven times in the Jordan, and the promise you'll be healed. Now, why did Elisha do that? Why did he do that? Why did Elisha do that? Why did Elisha not even go to the door to greet him? He came from such a long way, from Damascus. Why did Elisha tell Naaman, just go wash in the muddy river or the Jordan there seven times, didn't even see him? Why? Because Elisha knew there were two problems with Naaman. There was a physical problem of leprosy. There was also a spiritual problem. And Elisha, not, he not only wanted to heal Naaman's body of the leprosy, but Elisha wanted to heal Naaman's soul of pride. And so it was bad enough that the great Syrian captain Naaman should be following the leading of a little maid, but now the great Syrian captain is to follow the instructions of a messenger of the prophet who doesn't even come out to see him, but sends the message to go wash. That was a real affront to Naaman's pride. But you know, there's another reason. There's another reason why Elisha didn't come to the door. Just imagine this temptation for Elisha for a moment. Here is the renowned captain of the Syrian army in his chariot with the horsemen, the great, great gift of gold and silver, beautiful clothing. And if Elisha had come out and healed this man of his leprosy, can you imagine how Elisha would have been the celebrity? He would have been the man. I mean, the little maid was already setting Elisha up with this spotlight on him when she said in verse 3, he, Elisha, for a would to God, would God, my Lord, were with a prophet that's in Samaria. That's Elisha. For he would recover him of his leprosy. So Naaman expected the great prophet to come out and it'd be the great prophet that would recover him of his leprosy. And Elisha would not accept the spotlight to be put on himself. Elisha knew that the spotlight had to be on God and God alone. So Elisha makes a very intentional decision to stay in the background. In spite of what others might say or think, Elisha knows he's not the cure. Elisha knows his part is just to bring God's cure. Elisha, there's Elijah. He's standing in between. On one hand, Naaman and God. And Elisha turns to Naaman and Elijah sees DRS, dirty, rotten sinner, sick man. And then Elijah turns to God, and Elisha sees God. He can cure the sick man. He can cure Naaman. And all Elisha's got to do is just bring the two together. He's just got to bring Naaman and God together and then leave them alone and let God do his healing down at the Jordan River. So just like Elijah, we know we don't save anyone from the sickness of their sins. Just like Elijah, we know we're not the cure for sins. Just like Elijah, we know that our part, we stand in between 
the sinner and God. We look at the sinner, we see him as lost. We look at God, we see him as the one who can save. And all we try to do is just get the two together and then God let that God do his saving work. See, when Elijah stayed in the house, Elijah was just like John the Baptist. Just like John the Baptist. Do you know John the Baptist was challenged by the Pharisees? To say something about yourself. Make a statement. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.